Matthew verse 1. Sorry, chapter 1, verses 18, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. When Jesus woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the, child, the son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Amen, amen, church. I'm so excited to be here with you as we begin a new sermon series that is titled, uh, Who Needs Christmas? If you're here for the very first time, for those who are regular members and attenders, you'll know that inside your programs, you will notice there are some fill-in-the-blanks. The answers to those fill-ins will be up on the screen during my sermon here today. During these uh, weeks of Advent, we begin today with that series of Who Needs Christmas? And the big idea today is that the entire world needs Christmas. Again, the entire world needs Christmas. And we went into the book of Matthew, the gospel book of Matthew, and we just heard about the story of Jesus's birth. But before we go and break that down a little bit, I want to bring you back into the very beginning, literally the beginning of Genesis, when we have Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And they were provided everything that they needed, but it came time that the temptation came across them, and they ate the, uh, of the fruit that was forbidden, that God told them that he forbid them not to eat from. And of course, they, did, they, went, again, uh, they went ahead and they ate of that fruit, of for, uh, forbidden fruit, and they fell in that temptation which caused sin. In the midst of that, here comes God and, and, uh, and asked uh, Adam, Adam, what have you done? And you know that more of the blame game, well, the woman you gave me, all right? And then he went, God went over to Eve and says, well, you know, what have you done? Well, the serpent is the one. So uh, here comes that blame game here and there. And in the, in the chapter, uh, the third chapter of the book of Genesis, here I believe that God sets the moment, a, a, a tone of voice, more of what is going to happen here as a new plan is going to be implemented. And so in the scripture of 315 of Genesis, God is saying, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So God is setting into motion something that has taken place because he wanted to make sure that humanity was not then laid out for eternity in sin. And so when he's saying he will strike your head, you know, and crush your head and you will strike his heel, God is setting something into motion. And that's where we want to go into today. One of those uh, individuals that he utilized was Abram. Abram, when he went over to Abram, he said, oh, leave from where you are right now into the land I'm going to give you. Abram at that very moment was able to leave that location and go to where God was leading him. And then in a vision, 
Here comes Abram and sees what God wants to be able to uh, see him, uh, show him. And in the scripture of Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it says, God is saying, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And here's the problem. At that moment, Abram had no children. And so how can that be? How can he be the father of many? Abram didn't understand all that, but he believed God. He believed. And therefore, what, what does that mean? What uh, takes place? And then, of course, the word came to Sarai, his wife, and, you know, and, and she was of old age, and, and she received word that she was going to have a son. And she was like, ha, 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 ha. Me having a son at this age? Can you imagine? I mean, sometimes we have to understand that the, 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 the plans that God has for us may not be the regular conventional ways. So one of the things I want to share with you, the first point that you have there is that plan B was implemented. Plan B was implemented. There are times that we have to understand that just because we have things in mind, that we want to be able to accomplish this or accomplish that throughout our lives. We want to accomplish something later on today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week or next month. We want to write down what we want to do because we have goals. But here's the thing is that God usually then sometimes intervenes in all of that. You know why? Because I'm saying about Sarai laughed. She didn't understand. Sometimes don't we laugh at things that we don't understand and we may find difficult? So here right away is the second point that I want to share with you today is that the plan would be difficult to believe. When Sarah received the word that she was going to have a child at that time of her old days, she laughed. She, she didn't understand what was happening, but it was difficult to believe. And you know what? Sometimes we say, wow, you know, I can't believe Sarah laughed at that. But there are times that we laugh at things that is difficult to believe. I do remember when I told my uh, acquaintances, I said, look, I, I'm leaving what I'm doing right now because I feel called to ministry. Some of them laughed. I remember one of them says, I don't, I don't see you being a pastor. All right. And as many of you remember the message about the military, when I left military and into ministry, one individual even told me, young man, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. But praise God, here I am, you know? It's, it's like, because I, at that very moment, I didn't know that I was going to be here in your midst. I just knew that if I trusted God... And God was going to be able to follow through. He was going to lead the way because I trusted God. That's all I have. All I have, even in the midst of all that, I brought my family along with, you know, wherever I went, there they, there they went. And I can imagine what Abram was going through. But he believed. And even if the, uh, uh, the, the plan was difficult to understand, he believed. You see, there was a vision there was a vision that took place back then. Abraham and Sarai didn't have their child. And in the midst of that, they had a child and they named him Isaac, which means laughter. It's interesting because when I was, uh, uh, when we had, my, my wife and I, we had two girls. And, and my wife said, you know, if we ever have a son, you can name him. And I'm thinking, please, God, give me a son. Give me a son. <laughs> and I named him Nathaniel Isaac. And Nathaniel, after finding out the names of the meanings, Nathaniel means gift of God. And then Isaac means laughter. I didn't know this when I was uh, giving him the, the, those names. 
But I figured, you know what, you know, if anything, let me give, provide him some biblical names. And so Nathaniel, gift of God, Isaac, middle name, was, uh, was a laughter because, and it came out, I remember going into an ultrasound, the baby in the, in the womb, you could see little bubbles coming out through, you know, through the mouth and like, it seemed like it was laughing. I'm thinking, oh, that's so cool. You know, so, so now if you see my son, it'd be like, he laughs. How you doing, son? All right, you know. <laughs> but he named him Isaac. There was a vision. They believed. And then today's scripture reference, a virgin becomes pregnant. An angel of the Lord brought a message to Joseph in a dream. And I want to recall those, that, those words. Back in the the verse 20, it says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph, when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord said. He believed. Even when the plan was difficult to understand, they trusted God. So the third point is that God's plan may not always be clear, but he will see it through. I'm going to say it again. God's plan may not always be clear, but he will see it through. God, the creator of heaven and earth, knew the world and needed Christmas. In the midst of what took place in the very beginning where the fall of man and woman, we wanted to make sure that they provided love. Even in the midst of what they sinned, he covered them. It was a sacrifice at that very moment. There were consequences, but he wanted to make sure that he set into motion another plan. It may not be clear, but he will see it through. So he did things in a manner that no one expected in unconventional ways. In Genesis, he gave a child to old folks and made a covenant promise with them. In the Gospel of Matthew, God gave a child to a woman who was a virgin. And you know what? Even when God seems silent, he is still working and can be trusted. Even when he's silent. I want to share with you talking about, you know, sometimes not knowing God's plans, but, but trusting in him. When our staff and our leadership council met last year, we were talking about ways for our church, and we kind of, kind of put the, the goal out there to increase our attendance and, and participation 10% for the next five years, 10% this year, 10% next year, you know, all the way to five years. We didn't have the YMCA in mind at that time. This year, our vision was impacted as we were looking into the possibility of acquiring the North Campus building, just like the video you you shared, you saw a moment ago. We believe that God opened this door of opportunity. It's a little strange that it happened at this time, but I can see God working and providing answers to several of our questions we have asked during this due diligence process. Here's an example just this week. On November 28th, there was an article written by Evan Brandt in the Mercury entitled, New Hanover Forecast Growth with Eye Toward New Traffic Impact Fee. And it says that residential growth 
in the township is expected to grow with more than 2,000 new homes and nearly 6,000 new residents by 2030, according to a draft township report. That's right. Now, I don't want to seem greedy and say I want all 6,000 of them, okay? (laughs) But I believe in the biblical sense of, of, how about a tithe from it? Now, a tithe of 6,000 is 600. But as we reach out to uh, others to let them know that they also, they are in need of Christmas, they're part of this world, that we are for them as a church because they are our neighbors. With the purchase and renovations of the current YMCA for the North North Campus, we're calculating it's an estimated $1.5 million. Now, when we first shared about, you know, possibly looking into this, I mean, there was, a la- there was clapping and praising God and everything else. But then it seemed like, oh, but who's going to pay for it? <laughs> and that's usually our response to it. Sometimes we, we think right away into the financial portion of it. So $1.5 million, yes, it's a lot of money. It's, it's a large amount, but... I'm so grateful and happy to share with you that we've already, you know, with the pledges that have come in so far, we've gotten over 200,000 pledged for it, above and beyond our own current expenses and operating costs. Just last week, someone came to the church and pledged $10,000 towards it. In a matter of of three years of the pledge, they were going to give $10,000. Let me give you an example here. I mean, uh, uh, this is one of our biggest uh, uh, services here, but, but I want to just share with you that we have four services all total, and I'm not just going at this just only for your service. But if we have 400 people to pledge $20 extra per week, that's less than $3 a day, for the next three years, that equals $1,248,000. So when we think about, wow, $1.5 million, but if we do it little by little, there are people who can only give $5, $10, $15, but just sometimes the individual that came in and said, I want to give $10,000, there's people who are, are there. But knowing that we cannot do this just by one person or a few, we have to do this as a whole church together. Why? Because we believe that as we continue to expand and those, those homes are being built around our area, to be able to go out there and share the love of Jesus, to grow. And sometimes the way we do so is by building relationships. It can be through our sports ministries. It could be through our life groups. It could be through our youth ministry and the ministries that are happening because the youth and children are, are enjoying it. They want to involve their parents and we can see growth. But what happens is at this very moment, sometimes we're, we're saying, hold up. All that pressure, all that sacrifice is on us, and yes, it is. Because we are thinking already ahead. The same way God was thinking back in with Abraham, and then he brought into the promise of the birth of Jesus in the, in the um, gospel of Matthew. And here we are receiving that word and knowing all the sacrifices that other people had done before us, that we could also look beyond us and know the people who are going to be coming into this area will be blessed because we're also thinking about them. So not only the financial part are we thinking about, but also our faith. Abraham believed. Joseph believed. Can we believe? To understand that the world needs Christmas. 
to understand we don't, under, we don't know exactly every moment that we're going to utilize that building for. We can't say at this time or this time we're going to do this here and there. We don't know all the answers, but we know that we have an opportunity here that we believe God has opened up when we weren't even expecting it. But you could be part of a great history to show that we do care for others. I really believe it can happen, but believing is just believing. There's no stress on me. If it, if it happens, praise God. If it doesn't happen, I'm still going to praise God. But don't let this opportunity go by because we're only thinking about finances. I really believe that we can do it. But I can't do it without you. We can't do it without you. So in the pledge cards, you know, and, and, and I probably sound like one of those, uh, uh, what do they call the, uh, tele, not telemarketing, but the marketing things, you know, here, there. But we're doing this for the church, we're doing this for God, and I believe or leave, we're doing this for our community to grow. And we need that. We're already maxed out in several areas. And if we're waiting for those 6,000 by 2030 to come in, not 6,000, at least 600, we know we're still going to need space. We're still going to be in the same predicament later on. Why not do it now? Sometimes God's plan is not convenient. Our ways are not always clear. Yet it takes faith that he will lead us and guide us through. Abraham believed back then. Joseph believed back then. Do we believe that the world still needs Christmas? Let us pray. Gracious and most holy God, we come before your presence and thanking you for this word. We thank you that you have not forgotten about us. We thank you that you kept your covenant um, promise with Abraham, and then here your son, Jesus Christ, was given for us. We're thankful that you remind us of that. Throughout the Bible, we see that you remind people of your love. You remind people of your blessings. A way that allows people to turn back to you. We thank you for this day and this opportunity right here, right now, for us to turn back to you to understand, to build our faith in you. And as we also think about how we're going to impact others here in the future. As we prepare our hearts and minds to receive communion today, we're so thankful for your love, for your guidance, for allowing us to be together in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.